We have a returning guest on today's episode of the podcast. Today on episode 493 of the I Am Salt Lake podcast, we get to sit down and chat with our friend, Michael McHenry from the McHenry Group. You guys, it's been like three years since Michael's been on the podcast, so we thought it was time to bring him back on the show and find out what he's been up to. We get to talk about his restaurants, Ginger Street, Oakwood Fire Kitchen, Dirty Bird, and his newest restaurant, Sunday's Best. You're going to want to listen to this episode. It's a good one. Usually, uh, Chrissy's here to join me for these intros, but she's a bit under the weather today, so I said, hey, don't worry about it. Lay down, relax, I'll take care of it. So here I am. I'm recording the introduction uh, for this episode with Michael McHenry. Luckily, Chrissy was able to join me for the conversation that we're going to get into here in just a minute. But hey, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you're wondering what it's all about. I know how it is. I start podcasts a lot and uh, you're always like, what's the theme of the podcast? What am I about to listen to? Well, Chrissy and I, we're here every week with a brand new episode where we showcase awesome people right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're talking to business owners, we're talking to authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, food truck owners. I think you guys see a pattern there. We're talking to anyone that might have a cool story to share. Hey, are you moving to Salt Lake City? Are you looking at possibly moving into a house with a little more space and maybe even your own home office now? Well, in case you didn't know, I'm a licensed realtor here in the state of Utah, and I'd love to help you or any of your friends find their dream home. You can give me a call or shoot me a text anytime. I'd love to talk real estate and find out how I can help you out. My number is 801-244-2908. Like I said, shoot me a text, give me a call, whatever's easiest for you. I'd love to chat with you. And on that note, let's get into that conversation that we had with Michael McHenry from the McHenry Group. This one's a good one. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. The last time you were on the podcast, Michael, was was March 25th, 2018. Yeah. Episode 322. Dude, So this is 2021. Three years ago, three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were a completely different person. Dude, back the then. world is entirely yeah, different. The world. <laughs> yes, and it I, is. Dude, my evolution is like yeah. night and day. Are you are you comfortable? You want to pull the mic back at all? Yeah, you're no, comfortable. I'm, you're if, 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 okay. I'm, yeah, I'm good. good. I feel yeah. good. Okay, like, you're good. I'm locked in. Otherwise, I'll be okay. like moving yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's let's start. I'm not trying to keep my posture. We're not recording. No, 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 no. Recording voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No video. No video. So yeah, you're good. You're good. I mean, let's start right with the four restaurants that you currently are. You operate and you yeah. own and you yeah, run. Those I mean, are it, man. You didn't have these restaurants back then. No. When did this happen, man? Like, let's start right. Like, yeah. Are we on? Yeah, we're yeah. going, oh, man. We're, roll, we're, we'll dude. add an yeah. introduction to totally. it at the beginning yeah. and everything. No, dude. I mean, here we are. So last time I was on with you, 2018. Yeah. March. So I launched TMG, which is the McHenry Group, in June of 2018. So it was like. And last time I was here, we were like peak of scale, multi-unit brand, totally, I think, disrupting the deli sector, being the first to like directly correlate revenue and social impact at scale, which was crazy. And then all of a sudden, like our whole world changed. Like it just, it changed in an instant. And I'm learning more and more through business and just opportunities and deal flow that just shit happens. Like things happen, partnerships That's change, the truth, right? Man. And I found myself in this really interesting place of like, and we were talking about this a little bit, but this like self-narrative, this place of like, hey, 
convincing myself or convincing, you know, that really it's just like that artful self narrative, convincing yourself that you want something so bad for so long, which was I aspired to be like the president CEO of large emerging brands. And as I started getting there, I started realizing I was getting further and further away from my reward center and realizing that the, like the closer I got to this big goal that I convinced myself of, the further I got away from dining room tables and the people in my community, the beloved communities that I love to serve and engage with, like, I want to know you and hug you and, you know, basically love you sitting at our tables, you know, crushing our food. And that was something I had a, a realization. I spent over 10 years of my career aspiring to lead a large operation and, you know, this transition in that prior brand during that time really had me reflecting to say, Hey, I'm like, what do you want? What do you really want? And I realized that I was less restaurant executive and far more like creator. Like I want to create concepts and, and really truly thrive in connectivity and find a way to further community through these experiences. And it just so happens that the food and beverage is a great way to do that. You're and the idea guy. Totally. And I didn't realize for so long, I, I convinced myself I was the operations guy. I was like the performance guy. And then really, I'm like the experience guy. How did you realize that? What made you realize yeah, that? Yeah, I think it just, after spending many years on the C-suite of emerging brands and continuing to grow through that and creating a lot of success along the way, but also doing it for others, like a, as an employee, right? I had some stock or share or interest in the company, but it wasn't mine. Like mm-hmm. I was showing up every morning, someone else was writing me the check. And although I think that's, there's beauty to that for many, I just realized that I just, I have a bit of my own path and, and I found myself a handful of times at conflict and I think healthy conflict oftentimes. And that transition from even Stevens was like, I'm not going to do it for anybody else. I'm going to do this for me. And if that means leaving, you know, many, many units at scale to acquire a 67 seat new American restaurant whose focus is Neapolitan pizzas and handmade pastas and Draper Suburbia, I'm going to do it. And Doesn't it, it was feel a little more fulfilling. It to was be a little the, more personal. It, it was the best thing I've ever done. Like That's it awesome. literally professionally, the best thing I ever did was just st- take a step back and go, Like, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? Not what you're convincing yourself you want, but like really giving yourself a chance to listen to your heart and your mind. That made all the difference for me. It truly did. So the first restaurant that you opened up, Oak. Woodfire Kitchen. Woodfire Kitchen. In Draper. In Draper. Yeah. What made you want to open like a pizza place like that? I honestly, it wasn't pizza. It wasn't pizza. What's interesting is Oak was already an existing business and they had contacted me sometime like midsummer 2018 and said, Hey, and we're looking at selling this business. And would you come in and do like a current state analysis for us? Cause we were doing some consulting always. And although we don't broker businesses, we, we know quite a bit about our business and our lane. And so I went in and did a current state analysis and Ken came back to my team and said, Hey, I don't think we should get them ready for market. I think we should make them an offer. You know, oh, to, to buy him, to buy it. And so chef Brandon price is, yeah. as you know, he, I mean, the dude's the dough whisperer. Like he is incredible. <laughs> I like around that. The dough. Dough like, he really is. And he, he like, is. I, I give him all the respect in the market. Like when it comes to bread, there truly isn't someone better. Like he is the ultimate, like dough I think, whisperer. I think we talked about that when he came on the podcast. Could actually. have been. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so good at it. So I looked at him. I'm like, dude, do you want to do this? He's like, bro, I'm in. And that 
just, we made an offer and Chris, it was as simple as this. Like I sent a text message and said, here's the offer. And it was almost offensive and they accepted. And three weeks later it was ours. There you go. And, wow. and, and it just put us on this trajectory during what I felt like was a tough time professionally and a difficult time, uh, professionally, lots of pivots, lots of change, lots of chatters, lots of noise, you know, going on with what was happening to even Stevens during the time. And, you know, to me, my, my brands and teams are in my blood, you know, our, what we do is serious business and it's always heart forward. And that's just always been my style. And so we pivoted to Oak and all of a sudden it just, we started building stride and next thing you know, it's like, we're growing and then we're growing some more. And all of a sudden this small 67 seat restaurant in, you know, Draper suburbia starts becoming a buzz and we just leaned in and never looked back. And that was our start. And then what, uh, well, actually before we go too far, let's yeah. talk about the menu. Cause it's yeah. not just pizzas that you do there. No. Then my bad there. My but bad. The pizzas are I mean, delicious. You, you have pastas, you have, uh, I mean, what's the oh, menu? Yeah. There, I mean, man? small plates, pastas. I, we have everything from again, Neapolitan style pizzas and I'm biased. Of course, I'm going to tell you they're the best in the city and yeah. that's subjective, but to sure. me it's, it's right. Uh, hundreds of iterations of that dough before we got it right. So great spread of pizzas. We obviously are shifting those components, you know, seasonally, um, a couple of handmade pastas, uh, as well as a handful of salads. We've got great protein dishes, uh, you know, our steak frites is, as well as, you know, we've got our Nashville, you know, we always do fried chicken. So we've got a great fried chicken there on the menu. And then a handful of small plates from the ricotta meatballs to, um, you know, our, uh, our baked goat cheese, uh, and oak bread to, you know, our, uh, honey, our honey sriracha wings. I mean, there's just a variety uh, oh, of yeah. very approachable food. And what I love about oak and this is like, maybe kind of bring us back quickly is that Oak to us and why we truly acquired it, not just because the deal was right or the timing was right, but we looked at each other, like Brandon and I, when we put this together and said, let's reintroduce what it means to be a true neighborhood bistro. Like what you said, like that was the in thing. Like the, if you were 14, 15, 16 oh, yeah. and you worked at Oak, that was a big deal. You are, you are like the town cool kid. <laughs> yeah. I had the same thing growing up in my hometown in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Yeah. There was the one place, like the resort that all the cool kids worked at. Yeah. And you know, everybody that, wants totally, to go that, there. That's Oak for Draper, and, and man. We want you to walk in and know that, like know the kids that are working there, know the professionals that are working there, like engage with the chef. It's like truly, and we'll probably talk about this more later on, but that helped us like really unpack the mission of the McHenry group, which is like for the neighborhood by the neighborhood. It's that simple. Like we're going to create stuff for our beloved neighborhoods. We're going to kick ass, take names and love each other. And we're going to bring it. And the people that work there live there. Yeah. And that's incredibly important to us. All right. We're going to take just a couple of minutes now and talk about one of our awesome sponsors. I love talking about this sponsor, utahmarijuana.org. Remember guys, when you support our sponsors like utahmarijuana.org, you're directly supporting this podcast. Hey, utahmarijuana.org, they're your number one spot for all things medical marijuana, medical cannabis, CBD, and THC. I want to give a shout out to my co-host on my other show, Tim Pickett. He's the guy behind utahmarijuana.org, and uh, I do Utah in the Weeds with him as well, so that's great. It's, it's an awesome podcast. Go check it out if you haven't. utahmarijuana.org's team of medical cannabis experts, they make getting your medical card super easy from your first office visit to navigating the state card application and beyond. 
With over 20 compassionate and highly skilled qualified medical providers ready to help you find relief, you won't have to search for a doctor willing to recommend cannabis treatment. The patient experience team at utahmarijuana.org is dedicated to helping you get all the way through the process so you can get your medicine legally. And right now they're offering an exclusive discount to I Am Salt Lake listeners. Just use the code GREEN25 for $25 off your first visit. And remember what I said at the very beginning of this little sponsor read, when you support our sponsors like utahmarijuana.org by using like the promo code GREEN25, that's going to tell them you're coming from the podcast. Exactly. So support them and it's going to help keep this show going. They have locations all up and down the Wasatch Front. Head on over to utahmarijuana.org. They're going to give you the list there. Pick the location uh, closest to home and go check them out. Isn't it time that you took control of your own health? UtahMarijuana.org. Feel better. So now you have four restaurants. Yeah. They're all different. They're all different. Do they work well together though? That's my, that was, I know that's, we're kind of jumping ahead. I want to make sure that that question gets asked though, because to me, that would be a downfall of a lot of restaurants, right? Is if you have one location and you have to throw food away or you waste food or you can't buy it in big enough bulk. But and I you would imagine menus, you could still so. work them together, right? They still work well together. There's no question that we utilize and maximize supply chain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just talk about the chicken thigh that, that we source and that we use. We use that same chicken thigh in every one of our restaurants. So when we work on like a bulk buy, we buy that same thigh and negotiate that deal or work that price. And then we run it to all the various restaurants, right? That's, across you the board. You can make a lot of stuff with like chicken and rice, yeah, man. Totally. Like that's just, that, that's one example, but there's so many ways, but actually I feel like because they are so unique and I spent so much of my career scaling the same thing over and over and over again. And you learn this system, right? What's great is that on the front end of our restaurants, they're all truly unique. Oh, right? sure. like yeah, yeah. Ginger Street in the heart of the city, Dirty Bird Hot Chicken, which is our Nashville hot chicken brand from Oakwood Fire Kitchen and Draper that we talk about, which is New American and Neapolitan, you know, to our newest hot spot that just opened Sunday's Best, which is brunch uh, all day. And of course, brunch me hard. They all have their own identity out front, but they run. They're the same. What's a good analogy? They're the same vehicle behind the scenes. So imagine the motor being the same. Imagine the frame and suspension all being the same, but you just put a new body on it and a new paint job and a driver. But like they Jeep all, but Chrysler the runs, Plymouth. But they all run the same. So it's that's what's beautiful is that although we have four different brands and really we have five because of provisions, our sister restaurant with my chef partner, Tyler Stokes in Mill Creek, we're able to capitalize on the maturity and the beauty and the, and the learnings as well as supply chain as, as well as team oftentimes. And so I think because we have four different things instead of 10 or four or five of the same thing, we it actually better positions us to have, I think a better understanding and we're a little more well, well-rounded in kind of the interest and, and, uh, you know, needs of the guest. It's pretty well, cool. And it really seems like a cool opportunity to watch how all of the restaurants do and kind of assess and see what people actually prefer to eat. I mean, cause it's so many different styles of food. And we learned that. Yeah. Great. It's so true. Like, especially when you look at the last two years we just operated in <laughs> and we had some wild success across the board. We also had never worked harder in our lives and probably never like taken bigger risks than we had in the last two years. And I can tell you, I think it's a huge part of our success right now is that very reason we learned like 
what is it about counter service, quick server drive throughs, not just exposure, but is it convenience? Like, and so we were learning these like quality, value, convenience, access, flavor profiles. We learned that like during times of crisis, which you know, and, and I believe you know this because you know the city really well. I think that you two are like finger on the pulse, heart on the pulse, ear on the pulse. Like you guys are there during times of like crisis, you count on like your neighborhood restaurant and bar for a place of normalcy. You really do. Right. Normalcy, security, all all the things that come on with it. And that was a huge learning, not learning, but reflection to say, we stood into this space during the pandemic because I don't know that you may or may not know. We never closed. Every one of our restaurants stayed open open? the entire time. Wow. That's good. And, and we could say yes, good now. And I believe yes, hell yes, good now because of Mm -hmm. what created, it could have backfired or been worse or, but there was a sense of calmness that I had the entire time that was like, things are going to be okay. You just kind of pivoted within restrictions immediately. And so we were able to like, no one thought of provisions in Mill Creek for takeout. Right. No. Like 250 bottles of wine in the cellar, like fine dining. And all of a sudden we're pivoting that to like online ordering and delivery. And we're turning servers into delivery drivers and onboarding, you know, DoorDash and third-party delivery platforms. And all of a sudden now you can order provisions online. Well, that we were well positioned because it came from the world of fast casual. So delivery, drive-through, walk-up windows, takeout was the world I had just spent 10 years in. So converting our casuals to that during that time was like, we pivoted to that quicker than most because we were so experienced. Yeah. If you have experience with it, it's nice to be able to apply the knowledge to upcoming situations. And so we learned a ton about the fact that there are those conveniences that aren't going away. And so that just applies. We were able to take what we were learning from Dirty Bird and apply it at provisions. And what we were learning from provisions, we could apply at, you know, Ginger Street downtown and and vice versa. And so we created some real success, but it took a lot of work and really positioned our brands. Oh, to juggle all of that. That would be so much work and keeping team members employed. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a big one. And then I'm not sure if you came across this or not, but we launched the healthy and full initiative during that time as well. So not only did we have provisions open and Oakwood fire kitchen open and dirty bird open as well as ginger street and the heart of the city open. We also launched the healthy and full initiative, which became like a true win, win, win during the early, like kind of pandemic what, crisis. What, talk about this initiative. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. So really what it was, and, and this is what it was, it was literally providing chef made meals to frontline workers and heroes, right. Through local restaurants. That's cool. And That's what, really why it was cool. really like a win, win, win. Thank you. Why it was a win, win, win. We believe is because we identified individuals in the community, whether that be a, a individual or a business that could sponsor meals for the day, they would sponsor a lunch or a dinner. You know, and primarily we served a lot through university health and, and a lot through IHC and, and other networks. But early in the pandemic is, you know, the scare tents or the emergency tents and the scare was quarantine teams, keep people locked down on floors, don't expose them to the public, right? The, the professionals to the public and work more hours, right? And, and I think that's kind of true of times of crisis when you've yet to figure out how to facilitate the care or what we're actually going to be facing. As you all know, we spent months in this kind of place of, of just fear mode. And, well, yeah. Cause and it's chaos. new and it's scaling. It's, like new is one thing. Scaling is one thing. You put it together. 
Nobody knows what's going to happen. Madness. It was just chaos. And so you saw the emergency tent setting up and every emergency room had, you know, tents outside and they're preparing, which I think was maybe good at the time to prepare for the worst case scenario, but they didn't have a, a framework for that. And so what we found, it wasn't just those patients in the ICUs. It was every floor where staff is not able to leave the hospital. They're not able to go spend time with their families. They're being quarantined on their own. And so we knew and we saw that there was this need and then caterers and others were gone. There, this access to oh, like they goods, pro- they weren't considered they weren't essential, yeah. Yeah. or they just decided that there was whether that be fear, whether that be resources, whatever that might be, they were no longer available. So there were very few restaurants or caterers that were even in in business to be able to provide a delivery service beyond pizza and fast food, right? Because if you had a drive through or you were already a delivery driver, you were already your 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 business was expanding. And so I had a, a partner of mine at the time, his name was Mark Selman, and he's a wonderful friend and partner as well. And he said, Em, I think there's an opportunity to really do this thoughtfully, like go out and, and fulfill this need and value. And so we kind of went mad scientists, spent a couple of days coming up with this initiative. So basically here's the breakdown. We identify that person or that business in the, in the community to sponsor a, a mill, and it had to be at least 25 mills and um, lunch or dinner. And then we would take that on, put a value associated with it. And we'd run that through our own restaurants or invite in some others like Nomad Eatery, right? You guys are uh, yeah. Nomad yeah. East and Nomad Eatery here. Justin Solberg, great. Or like Lauren Warner and, and Honest Eatery. We brought in a handful of others as well because it, we created such interest around it that I'm like, wait a minute, we can spread this out. And also we got to the point where there were some weeks where we were doing 2000 mils. And so there was only so much capacity that our team had, but the win here is not only did we identify that individual or or business in the community, we also protected the sustainability and livelihood of our team and we kept the restaurant open. And the beautiful side of all of this, after all of that sustainability and highlight was the fact that now when this nurse gets off of her feet after a, a 15 to 24 hour swing shift, she's not sitting down and eating a, scre- a cre- or a string cheese and, you know, an apple slice and a croissant. She's crushing a Thai basil chicken stir fry. Some real ginger street. Real. Like she's yeah. a true That's a lot nicer. Yeah. And so it was a really cool deal. And then we put encouraging messages on every single oh, mill. Yes. We talked about like, Hey, you're absolutely kicking ass. You rock. Like. You're selfless. Thank you so much for your work. We personalized the napkins. We personalized the containers. We delivered them. When I say we, Chris, because of the chaos that we were facing, of the probably somewhere around ten to 12,000 mills that we delivered, I would say that I probably delivered 8,000 of them personally. Wow. How did that work with people in quarantine? I mean, was it hard to actually get the food to them? So I would show up to the hospital and I had like different uh, pickups, docs, delivery. If I walked through the front door, I got scanned. You know, they took my temperature. I had a mask on, I had my gloves on, I had everything associated with it. But after a time, I started to build the routine and we just built a great relationship. And next thing you know, we just, we started feeding floors and we started building partnerships. And what was really cool about this and something that I didn't realize would actually come from this is that we harvested this greater like this greater, not only sense and idea of community, but people showing up that worked in the hospitals or that were patients just showing up and thanking us, thanking our teams, which went a long way for like showing up, showing up and delivering those meals during that time. And I didn't really feel that it was going to help kind of build our relevance, but I feel like when you're for the neighborhood, by the neighborhood, and you just show up 
like literally just show up. There's a, there's a the beautiful byproduct. And then as things grew and expanded, what was growing in popularity were the sponsors. <laughs> Once I got the right names going, I had many, many going, Michael, I want I want a full day. Then I want three days. And then I had developers in large kind of, you know, large business or individuals calling me saying, I want to sponsor the whole week. What does a week cost? And so all of a sudden we're getting all of these mills, which was incredible for us. And we're loving it because it's at a time when over 70,000 hospitality jobs and, and, and restaurant jobs in Utah are being lost. And people are, are, they're waiting weeks and weeks, if not months to get their, um, you know, unemployment benefits and such. And I'm hiring, I'm looking for people to help because there were literally as, as positive as I want to sound about keeping people employed. There was also a big percentage that didn't want to work. Right. And, and I, I understand that, like, I'm not going to force you to do something that you don't feel comfortable in. And so to see us not only be able to build a program that was thriving and then we're hiring team members and keeping people employed. We also found that the system was getting better, meaning the healthcare system was getting better. It wasn't nearly as chaotic. They were, they wasn't just the solve to every problem was more hours in quarantine. They were finding ways to facilitate this better. And so the moment that we realized that we were showing up to the hospital, trying to find a place to put mills, we turned the program off. Um, it was a great way to create, you know, viability and sustainability. And also I think, um, really deliver on it, on a need for, for the community and the guest. Uh, and really that at that time, our, our frontline heroes, we also found that we built a framework that we can bring into motion under crisis. And that's what we're going to use it for. So it's not there to go out and, and really make money, right? It's there to go out and, and really provide a service under difficult times. So I don't ever want to see something happen in our city. But I can tell you that if an earthquake hits, we'll bring the healthy and full initiative back because the framework's ready to go. If a big disaster happens or we find ourselves in another pandemic state, we'll turn it on. And that was a beauty that was kind of birthed through, you know, difficult circumstances was this initiative that we now know how to manage that really works. Isn't it awesome what like difficult challenges will do? If once you make it through, if you're really persistent, you can really come up with something that is awesome like that and solid. But Some it's of the hard. most beautiful outcomes come out of the most difficult, you know, circumstances. And like, I feel that in my heart right now, like 2018 was the hardest year probably of my life personally and professionally. And I, who I feel today in 2021, I feel like a new person. Like, you know, DNA is the same. We are who we are. Our stories are great. But like how I look at life and relationships and what I manifest is radically different than what it used to be. I mean, I've always been heart forward. I've always had big initiative. I've always wanted to surround myself with great people, but there's a difference in wanting that versus truly living that and participating in that on a daily basis. And my new company, the McHenry Group, has, has, has really provided the opportunity to get back close and participate, I think, more intimately. Maybe that's well, that's the right term or not, yeah. but just That's the perfect term. Like, that's just, what I thought. Geez, I just want to yeah. like reach over here and hug people that, that love our, love what we do and love the people who make this great city what it is. Well, yeah. I went, yeah. uh, I went with some coworkers to Ginger Street one time yeah. before, you know, the great pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, you were there just hugging and thanking everyone, just yeah. walking around, <laughs> talking to people. And I was just like, look at that. Very, you know, you were just there, you were present and it was really impressive. It's, it's so interesting you just reflect in it. You don't actually realize like what really comes of sort of participation and activity and really just activation until you do it. 
and you really look at it and go to me, like, I'm not a culinarian. Like I'm not like, I love food and I have a good palate, but I didn't get in the restaurant business because I love food. I got in the rest, restaurant business because I love people. And it just so happens that food is a sacred duty <laughs> that connects all of us. Dude, there's something about sitting down true, and man. breaking and bread like together, a, have, right? Have like a great cocktail, yeah. a, 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 a lunch or brunch, whatever, man. I mean, brunch is for sure. <laughs> like, no and that question. way, if you have social anxiety and you don't know what to say, you can just keep eating. Hey, it just, <laughs> there's a place, like there's a place at the table. Yeah. And, and that's important, you know, especially the past few years and really the past three, cause we've really been able to champion this cause we're in direct control. But I say, we like I'm in direct control of that. It's like, I really do want to have the biggest dining room table in the neighborhood. Every one of the neighborhoods we serve. And of course I'm biased to Utah. I plan to build restaurants in other places, but right now, like we just opened Sunday's best, which I believe is like one of the biggest buzzes in the city right now. And no one's doing brunch seven days a week. And we are. And we want brunch seven days a week. Let me tell like, we are all, all of us 30, 40 somethings, whatever we are. We're like waiting for Sunday. It's like the one thing we get now. And now you can get it on a Wednesday. Now you get it on a Tuesday. What's your favorite thing from there when you when you go in there to order, Michael? Dude, right now, like this week, it's going to sound crazy, but my two favorite things that I've literally, here we are on whatever day it is. I've already, well, it is eaten, today, this, Tuesday, yeah, yeah. I've already eaten this two or three times in the past two or three days. Yeah. And I'm talking like a day, not just total. Sure, sure, sure. Um, right now, I'm having the tuna tartar. Oh, okay. which is wild. And it's the composition is nutty. It's so it's, it's, um, wasabi Topico, which Topico is like flying fish eggs, right. That are seasoned in, in wasabi. And then we fly in right now. We're flying in the hamachi, the tuna, our oysters, as well as our halibut, like every other day it's coming like fresh to us. So, uh, fresh tuna, uh, or the wasabi Topico, fresh tuna, Asian pear, pine nut, yuzu and a little bit of truffle with with a rice crisp on top it's like mind-blowing and it's so bright and flavorful on the palate and then right now it's a little crazy but the grain bowl is my favorite thing on the menu now we have all the traditionals like we've got the biscuits and gravy the the eggs benedict the breakfast burrito the eggs the bacon egg and cheese sandwich we got the double cheeseburger the spicy chicken we have all the cool stuff all the stuff you would expect on a great brunch menu but this grain bowl it's ancient grain yuzu strawberries, radish, asparagus, snap pea, and poached egg. And you stir this up and it literally like blows your palate. Oh man. Blows Does the egg serve, it also like serves as the sauce when you mix oh, it all together. Oh my, nom nom. You ready to go get like, some tomorrow? Um, yeah. My, my God. It's like, it just, it's so good. So you ask me like, that's yeah. where I'm going. And as you know, or may know, and I'll help our listeners know this, that when it comes to brunch, Brunch is so experiential. Like, think about that. When you think about like, when you're like, hey, let's, let's go grab breakfast. Great. Like, let's go to over the counter. Let's go to the park. Let's go to a couple cool diners in the, in the neighborhood, right? Wonderful. We'll go crush a, a two-egg breakfast together. Or like, you talk about going to brunch and like, there's just something that kind of like, brunch, get the crew together, put on something a little different, seek that whiskey, maybe save that cigar, whatever it might be. Like grab your lady, grab your boyfriend, partner, whatever it is. And you head out to brunch because brunch is an experience. It's a big deal, man. And to me, when it comes to brunch, the, the only thing, like the next most important thing to people for brunch, in my opinion, is not the egg. It's beverage. Like you have to nail the drink. So it's like, 
When you come in, the reason we say brunch me hard, our tagline is brunch me hard. Why we encourage you with our taglines and our signage and our environment that encourages you to day drink appropriately (laughs) and why we have 78 parking stalls is because we want you to come in. And if you decide that you're going to come in and have a couple of drinks, we actually encourage that you just leave your car there and take an Uber or ride share or whatever it is that you do. It's why another reason why we love suburbia, because we have enough space to serve you and we have about 200 seats. So we can also encourage reservations, right? And so when you go out to brunch, I want you to come out and get the whole experience. And so we have a crazy spread of like mimosa experiences, Bloody Mary experiences. We have great cocktails. We have great mocktails. Um, I just learned about a new like um, mocktail that, have you ever heard of Seedlip before? I haven't, no. Mm-hmm. So Seedlip is literally the process of gin, like the, oh. the distilling and fermenting process of, of like gin the botanicals without the alcohol. So it literally brings all the depth and flavor profile of gin, literally gin. Yeah. You taste it. You think you're drinking gin, no alcohol. I've heard of these things. There's a couple of brands coming great, out and it's, it's like non-alcoholic liquor. Yeah. Well, and so, so we crazy. literally have like, there's booze free, like whiskey and bourbon. That's great. And so our, our mocktails aren't just like put a few things in here, stir up a bunch of sugar and serve it to you. It's not lemonade. These are legitimate mocktails where you can cocktail with the depth and flavor profile and pairing without the alcohol if you choose, as well as the mimosa experiences. Last Saturday, and I'll just move on from no, this. No, you're great. Last, last Saturday, this is also talking Sandy, Utah, right? This is Sandy, which by the way is near and dear to me. I grew up in Sandy. From the time I was two till I was 17, I lived in Sandy. Okay. So to bring a restaurant back to my hometown 20 years later is a big deal, like a big deal to me. And so, um, but last Saturday at one time we had over 20 bottles of champagne out in the dining room at once. (laughs) Think of any restaurant in our city that's brunching hard like that, where you've seen 20 plus bottles of champagne out at once. That's not a wedding reception or, you know, a bachelor yeah, exactly. large that's, party. I mean, that's the first thing I think of room. And at the same time, we've curated this space that's so unique where, and this is a real life example where I've got the two gals sitting at the bar top, sharing a beautiful bottle of champagne, eating caviar and oysters. And at the end of the bar, I've got these two wonderful Vietnam vets. The the, the conversation with these gents was beautiful. They're wearing the hat, you know, that the, um, and they're eating the truck stop breakfast, which is our take on, you know, a, a, a two egg protein, you know, toast it's potatoes, bacon or sausage, two eggs. How do you like it? And, uh, and the hash brown and they're drinking drip coffee. And there is just like, they're, they're like shit eating grin. Like smile uh. ear to ear, loving the environment. And behind them, I thought they have a 13 year old's birthday party taking place. And to me, that is community. Everyone's coming in and experiencing that in their own way. And no one feels like they don't have a place at that table. That is to me, that's not even culture. That's not like sociology or psychology. That's just experience. And to me, that's what neighborhood's about. And so Sunday's best, I think not only do we love it, I think it's our best work. I think it's the best work that we've done yet. Now, where is that located in Sandy? What's the... So it's 106, it's 106 South and State Street. And the exact address is like 106, uh, 72 South State Street. So really easy to find for people Yeah, it used to be, it was a training table forever. Okay. Oh, Do you remember the yeah, training team? Yeah. Oh, I remember. I wasn't a fan of those. I wasn't Dude, a fan of those. Dude, my kids were so no. devastated when they closed down. I know, down. I know a lot of listeners love them. Yeah, and I, you, you, yeah, yeah totally. 
cheese fries. Like <laughs> who doesn't you know, like, like cheese? I mean, fries. That was and that was reality. And they were a staple from like the seventies to like the mid two thousands, something like that. So from like the late seventies to like two thousand and fourteen, it was the same business. And then um, you know Ali from Maza, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, Middle yeah, Eastern yeah. cuisine. Yeah, I mean, wonderful. And he's such a wonderful man and such a wonderful business. And he put it under contract, and then opened Maza in in Sandy in our location six weeks before the pandemic. Oh, and that man. was such a big business. And the pivot, and you know, I talk about how we swiftly pivoted because of our experiences, and I think also just maybe our energy and maybe there's some youthfulness associated with that. And, you know, when you're kind of nearing the end of your career, you know, you're late sixties, maybe 70 years old, running a big restaurant, you may not just have the gas to yeah, want to well, pivot a large business. It seems like, you know, you pr- they probably put the work in at the beginning of that, all of their energy and creativity. And it's a lot to pull back up. When I reached out to Ali, because I saw that he had closed the restaurant on ninth and ninth. And I knew that he had just had built this beautiful restaurant in Sandy. I just said like, I want to find out if he's going to open it. And we called him originally. He's like, no, I'm going to get reopened, you know, but I'll keep you guys in mind. And then we checked back, you know, two or three months later, noticed it was still dark. He wasn't, you know, doing much out of there. And he said, no, I think I'm going to get this back off the ground. And I think he tried to, to get business going a couple of different times. And then about two or three months following that, he called us and said, Hey, do you still have interest? And we said, Absolutely. And so Chef Tyler, who's my, my chef partner in, in the brands now, he, um, who, is a culinary wizard. Like he is indeed. He, he is. I mean, he's absolutely one of the absolute best uh, culinarians in our market and such a good guy, good man. Um, and, uh, we went down and we just, we walked in, it took like one look, we fell in love. And that's a big lift under these conditions to open a 4,000 square foot casual restaurant with 200 seats coming out of where we've been the last two years. There was so much risk associated with that, but there was so much like alignment and calmness and, and confidence that we could do it. And Sunday's best just really hit a vein. Like it's, it's made such a splash. Well, everything I've read about, it's just, everybody loves it, right? Yeah. The pictures and, and the experiences. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think you, you hit it on the head right there, the nail on the head. It, it comes down to this. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like people don't pay attention to the, all the years you eat shit. it's true like think about this like and and you i I think from starting your new business and getting real estate off the ground and the other things that you're doing and and all of our lives change relationships change life's change careers change and um you know no one really watches or i think really pays attention to we've opened restaurants and unfortunately we've closed restaurants we've built big teams and we've unfortunately let big teams go, or we found ourselves in devastating circumstances, but those are all learnings. And it's kind of interesting to kind of fail fast. And with Sunday's best, you know, Tyler and I, chef Tyler and I were talking about this recently. It's, it boils down to like, this is literally a 15 year overnight success. Yeah. Like it's a 15 year overnight success. It took like many, many restaurants, you know, a couple thousand team members, maybe even more over time, you know, millions of dollars in many different ways. And here we are with the restaurant and something for me, I don't know how not to promote my businesses. I think, you know, that I'm like very vocal about the things that I love that I'm passionate about. I'm very present on social. I'm always talking about our brands, our neighborhoods, our people, our impacts, like who's influencing us, like where we're gaining inspiration and support from. And I'm always like very, um, high level of gratitude as well as just empathy 
you know, empathetic for the community as well as just knowing our initiatives. And Sunday's Best is the first brand that we have ever launched or that I have ever been a part of where the neighborhood makes it bigger than we do. And that's just reality. It's the first brand that's ever just like people walk in and just make it bigger than us. That's and awesome. that's, that's amazing. And it's an absolute first. And it's also something you have to honor. Like that's you really have cool. to protect that. It speaks to the community and how much they want to support everyone around them too. Yeah. It's just, it's just been how a different experience. How has things been going like with, with the pandemic kind of things are kind of getting back to normal or people getting out and eating at these places. I mean, I guess people were eating out at them when, when it was in the middle of it too, I guess. I think there's a big difference between yeah. suburbia yeah. and like downtown Salt Lake city proper okay. or like the CBD districts, right? People aren't back to work downtown. People are back to work in their living rooms and offices and homes and working remotely. So downtown is still tough because the day parts are just missing. Okay. Right? Because so like ginger street is, yeah, is I mean, the lunches like, I, I think the reality, stuff, yeah. like the, the lunches aren't there, but the destination dinners are like, I think bars are popping, dinners are popping, but daytime you, if you go downtown, you just don't see the same people on the sidewalk. Just, it's just a yeah. different experience. We all so got you, used down, to, you worked right downtown. Yeah. Right I worked right across the street yeah. from, from ginger street. Yeah. And, and now it's like, mm-hmm. I have a friend that, that holds a large, they, they hold and manage a large commercial real estate portfolio downtown. Yeah. And when I say big, I'm talking several of the largest buildings downtown are owned in this portfolio are now empty. Uh, huh? And, and what's interesting is they're over 90% leased, but the occupancy is below 25%. Oh, wow. So just think about that. You have these large buildings that are ocu- like that are leased, but they're not occupied during the day. So what are we going to do with them? What are, what are, what are they going to do? I don't do? know what people's going to do with them because we're also learning. And, and by the way, like good for society in many ways, like productivities are up, quality of life is up, participation's up. I think there's some social anxieties. Oh, I think there's sure. a lot of this, like people being removed from humanizing. But I think that we're finding that people are working remotely. I think the world of like these companies building large HQs is over. Mm-hmm. or potentially threatened for some time. And so I think you just have to pivot. So I think Salt Lake City proper is still like still recovering and especially during the daytime. However, the suburbs have been hot for a year. The mm-hmm. suburbs have been knocking on our door saying, get more tables, get more tables, handle capacity. We're getting complaints mid pandemic about the fact that more people wanted to eat than we had capacity to serve. And that was frustrating because we're losing our businesses. Yeah. We're, we're losing, we can't put, we can't put food on the table in many ways. And I'm speaking for other restaurants as well, but yet guests are complaining because we don't have a place for them to sit. And that was a conflict for me and for, you know, and, and you want to be this great community member and, and be mindful of the circumstances and conditions and risks, but also like realize that as a business owner and as a steward of, of your people and your mission, as well as your neighborhood, right? You want to keep people like you give, give, give people what they want. And if that's a job, hopefully you can provide that. And if that's food, hopefully you can serve them. And that's a seat. Hopefully you can sit them down. Right. And, and that that's a place of normalcy or security or safety. That's a reality. So the long answer kind of to your short question is people want good news. And Sunday's best is proving that's good that news. people want to get back around the table in groups. People are celebrating Tuesdays. And Wednesdays and we're, we love it. We see people like come in. And it's like, holy shit. It's like, you know what it feels like you go to Vegas, you pack up, you like grab that shirt and that pair of jeans or that dress that you only wear when you're in Vegas. We're seeing that shit at Sunday's best right now on a Thursday. We like are guys and gals to dress up. just coming in and they're like looking their best, feeling their best, taking pictures. It's nice to have a place to go to when you want to do that too. You know, yeah, there, there wasn't anything for the long. Hell yes. <laughs> long. And 
and honestly, like I'll say it the way it is where you also don't have to feel shamed. Like that's been a bit of the challenge is like just society frowning upon, like sitting at a round table with six of your friends. Yeah. That's now the, it's like, that's just lifted. People are over that. You think so? I hope so. And if they're not, I think there's enough people to overwhelm it. Yeah. And I, right I want to be one of those people. Cause I feel like we can do it safely. That would be so cool. I miss, I like, I miss that. I don't even know how to get back into society. That's, that's why I love the restaurants though, you know, cause it's helping us you ease. In. It helps us ease back into having yeah, to talk to other to humans your neighbor, again. You know, get a community table. Well, yeah. here, here's also the reality. Do I think that people are going to crawl over each other to get a seat? No, not, people aren't rushing to be like what, what used to be like Upper West Side or Chelsea in New York, where like literally when you went to Momofuku, you crawled over six people to sit down. That's not coming back anytime soon. But the fact that you can go into like a thoughtfully designed and well-managed environment with great offerings like Sunday's Best, where we're not trying to squeeze you together. When I say there's 200 seats, just keep in mind that when I have a 3,000 square foot dining room, I can have 275 seats. So we're also still keeping enough space and breath and air so you don't feel crammed. That's what I love about big skylights and open ceilings and the stuff that we're doing there really, um, you know, really uh, provides a pretty, like, I think inviting, you know, opportunity, but I'm with you and restaurants were safe. The right restaurants, good restaurants were already a place of safe business pre what we just experienced, right? Pre pandemic Mm -hmm. and post pandemic. I think all you have now are actually the better operators. Cause unfortunately, maybe fortunately, but most unfortunately, you never want something like this global pandemic that we face to put people out of business. But I think it also helped clean house and the people that are in business today. And I believe this of many industries, not just our own are in business because they truly want to be. And I think that we're honoring that more and more today than ever before. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing that, that we've definitely seen is all the passion yeah. that's come out over these, you know, these hard well, times. You can see and it. You can you see can it in the, the owner's face. I mean, you can see it in your face. You can yeah. see it in your excitement. Yeah. You can see it in your, your social media posts. You can see, I mean, sitting here talking with it you. There's like day. a reset button to our childhood dreams or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. It's nice to see the passion and excitement. I think there's just something like I felt almost a responsibility to show up. I don't know, God-given gifts, whatever you call them, whatever that sense of calmness was for me. Yeah. Like the healthy and full initiative, the things that we launched, the bringing new business to market, bringing new experience, giving people a reason to get out, to celebrate some good news. I felt almost like a stewardship because I was so calm that I felt like I had enough gas, call it tenacity, call it confidence, whatever it might be to show up for my neighbor. I have a question for you. Have you ever done the Myers-Briggs personality test? So I haven't done the Myers-Briggs directly, but I have done similar things to that like a handful of times, especially like that was kind of like a corporate thing, right? Like when you worked on corporate teams, you would do insights and understand (laughs) your personality types and like kind of understand those flows and like what kind of your communication channels are and what you gravitate to. And so, but why do you ask? Oh, well, I'm just, I mean, you, you feel like an ENFP to me. I'm an ENFP and Chris is an INFP. So we're like, the same, but a little different. Yeah. A little yin and, uh, yin. we're the, uh, what are we called? The advocates. Okay. Is our whole thing. Oh, there you does, go. That doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which obviously means sometimes those are so eerie accurate. Like I, I did one called insights once and I was like, wait a minute, like who's in my brain. I, say that. <laughs> yeah. I literally say that. How, how are you like, and, and some of them are so radically 
accurate that I've been like, okay, this is freaky. Have you ever done one? I did with Strengths Finder, and when I got done, I was like, no, I don't want those strengths. <laughs> those are what I'm trying not. But it was right. I mean, know? I have had some interesting moments. Like I, I have a coaching call every week. I've always worked with professional coaches. I'm a big advocate for like self-discovery and therapy. And like, I'm a big advocate for like understanding your journey, like knowing your journey, figuring out a way to like heal and, and, and evolve. Like I'm a big one of like manifesting like relationships and outcomes are really big to me. And I most definitely found myself in a situation where I've gone through those like kind of 360 analysis and gained feedback from your peers and colleagues and your family members and such and go like, holy shit, that backfired on me. Like I did that on purpose. I did that because I wanted to yield like this result of it, whatever that is professionally or personally. Like I, I said those things. I did those things with the intent to build something bigger, like between us. And that literally you found yourself at conflict with that. So I have found myself in a moment where like I've, I've intentionally done things that I felt like were good that actually totally misinterpreted. Well, shit. (laughs) <laughs> that one backfired on me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, I mean, that's why I kind of enjoy those things too. Cause you can kind of get to know what a person, you know, might be like, or might respond to, or, you know what I mean? If you know, yeah. someone's kind of genuine person. Well, you, well, you guys had Joseph Grenny on. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. You're recently yeah. Great mm-hmm. guy. And you know, he's like a social scientist, right? Like, oh yeah. His programs. And you read like influencer or crucial conversations. And we've actually in the corporate environment, we had him speak to our teams at times. And you like speak to a mind like that, that you like really understands the power of like influence and intent and participation and all of those things. It's just wild how much art and like that, that really is communication and personalities and the mix of that. And yeah. And like kind of adapting your personality with those soft skills and without feeling like you have to change yourself. It's a, big thing. So what's your yeah. secret? You got a smile on your face yeah. right now. You run four restaurants yeah, yeah. and you're sitting and you here don't relaxed doing a yeah, podcast yeah. with us. What's your secret for your sanity here, here really like, I don't think this is the golden key, but I think this is a recipe and everybody's okay. method is different, right? You got to bake your own cake, but my recipe is pretty simple. I just take direct control of what I have direct control over and I set the rest free. And what I do have direct control over is me and my behavior and my attitude. And I just choose, like pick up my chin and I'll say it candidly, I've experienced, we've, in fact, of what I know of the journeys around this table, we've experienced some real shit. Some real <laughs> we've shit. We've been through like, some shit. Like, That's yeah. for you true. Know, job losses, uh, losses in the family, relationships, I mean, yeah. divorces, lawsuits, all the things that come along with it. And I just tell people like, all that shit's happened to me. And I'm not here to flex to say, hey, by the way, because of that, you know, I'm better, but I'm saying because of that, now I just realize that it just boils down to choices and I choose to smile. I choose to engage. Like I choose to just like pick myself up and do I have those hard days? And I'll tell everyone who's listening right now, there are times that I find myself in the corner on my shower floor. That's just a reality. And oftentimes I'm at the top of the mountain at five 30 in the morning, jumping in the water that's 40 degrees and I'm cheering to the moon. And I can't wait to run down and get after it. But the reality is like, it's just a choice. And so I feel like the recipe is just take direct control of what you have direct control over and just understand that none of us get to control the ocean. None of us get to control the ocean. And so just learn how to surf the waves. And my life literally changed when I didn't just say it, but I literally started to just own it. 
that like, dude, you aren't here to make life perfect. You aren't here to control the ocean. You're just here to take on the waves and however you choose to do that with whatever board, whatever style, whatever behavior you have and the impact that you want to have. And dude, I'm telling you right now, my relationships have richened. My businesses have thrived. My teams have engaged. Like I just decided like I was done with the freaking suit jackets and how everyone was telling me I was supposed to be. And what's crazy, I wear whatever I want in my dining rooms. It's so funny to associate that with clothing. I do that right now for whatever reason. But it's like now I wear the sneakers I've always wanted to wear. And what's so interesting about that is it opens up such dialogue that now I connect with a more youthful staff of mine because we connect around a pair of sneakers and we get to talk about it. And all of a sudden it's like now I have this engagement with my you know, 17 year old, 18 year old or 22 year old team member, when I would walk in in a suit jacket and, you know, this tall, big guy, I was already intimidating to begin with because I was the president or the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. And you know? being able to just be yourself makes you a lot more approachable. Nice I'm sure. I never walk in and go like, I'm the so-and-so I'm not the president. Like there's a big difference between the role of a president and an owner. Right. And the owner, like, I just appreciate like being able to just be real. Yeah. And if no one else likes it, well, then go own your own business and go work on your own team. But it just allows me, like I gave myself permission to just be me. And that has given me so much joy. It's hard though sometimes to do that. It's really hard. By the way, <laughs> you realize that we're the toughest one to convince ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're the worst critic. Yeah, no, we I literally know. are. And we self-edit more than anyone else would edit us. So beautifully I mean, said. Like self-editing, my God, like- it, the, the artful self-narrative that we develop on our own that limits us or convinces us, and it's not always negative, right? Like oftentimes we talk ourselves into being bold or to trying that new thing or asking for that number or going on that date or owning your shit, mm -hmm. you know? And now really at the end of the day, we put so much stock into what other people think. And I think it's important to know how your actions or your brands or your businesses and how they affect people. But at the end of the day, like how someone responds or that's on them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and absolutely it, it's, it's this interesting dynamic, but we are just so good at talking ourselves into things good and bad. And I found that the more artful your self narrative is oftentimes the more convincing it is in a direction in which you probably shouldn't be heading. Oh, interesting. Like I just, I, told yeah. myself for so many years that I wanted to be something that I ultimately realized that maybe that was just call it experience, maybe call it maturity, call it whatever it might be. But I found myself listening to a narrative that I'd actually didn't even want that I was yeah. so good at telling myself. Like you created something that you thought you were supposed to be and were striving towards that with your own Hell yes. Brain. What did you but do to get sense. to that realization? That I mean, are you big into like journaling or meditation or anything? So interesting. So I didn't realize that I was. Okay. And, um, and, and when you say like, there was a level of journaling for me and then I found there was this self-discovery and really it was like the visualization and like manifestation that really changed my life. Okay. When I started to like really manifest like being around certain people and like finding out why. And then all of a sudden, like I started spending time not meditating because meditation is actually tough for me. And I feel like you hear this stuff like you do, you need yoga, you need breathing, you need these things. And that might be true for many. And I mean, I'm talking like all the way pushed to a, like a Buddhist monk. I was far reaching, like 
please coach, like help this brain. And we had this beautiful engagement together. And she was like, Hey, Michael, that's not for everyone. And she's like, and by the way, like your energy, your vibration, you need something different. And you need to realize like that, like breathing and meditation is not for everyone, but you do have a high vibration, right? You have a high frequency. And if I'm living downtown in an inner city and I'm just always vibrating high, I'm, I'm kind of chaotic and I don't feel that way, but I'll start exhausting people around me. I'm super ambitious and resort like, uh, results driven and performance driven. And once I started going through this discovery of like how to create a counterbalance and how to kind of help my vibration, two things happened to me. I started the visualization and, and really manifesting what I want. And then second, I started hiking every day and it literally has changed my energy, like flipped it where like now I get up first thing in the morning, every single day. I hike, I get 500 to a thousand feet in every single morning, every single morning. And it just allows me to be this, like a little more calm, super passionate, still me, but like more connected. And what's interesting over my discovery, this is my own, sure. my, my own plan, my own recipe. I've just found that over time that creates this, I just, I vibrate differently when I'm outside and high touch, you know, I'm around, like I, I go to the same rock almost every day. And like, there's something about like sitting on that granite and just connecting myself that gives me an opportunity to just sort of level out. It's like your ritual. Totally. And I mean, if that's I your own form of meditation though, really. And if I don't do it, yeah. dude, I'm a mess. Yeah. It's crazy, but it's like, Makes that was sense, a mess. Though. Yeah. yeah. And, and also just like something I found during the pandemic time too, because I didn't know what the next day would hold, like full mental faculty. Like we discount that. Like, you know, you drink a little bit, smoke a little bit, eat something, like whatever your, whatever your thing is. And I don't, I, I have no judgment. Like, do you do whatever you are discovering? I just found for me that like when things alter the brain for me, it puts me off frequency. And so maintaining full mental faculty, you know, I, I went sober for many months during the pandemic and, and focused big time on my fitness, focused big time on my health, focused big time on my mind. And there's a lot of discovery when you start to, to listen to that. So it's kind of crazy. When you have to deal with your demons. <sighs> yep. I know how people yeah. want to face that. Right? People like, want to, they don't want to. Oh no, want nobody to. wants to. You don't, you don't actually want to until you're forced and you're like, you know what? It's time for me to grow. And yeah. then you have to, but it is so very true. painful. So true. So true. We didn't do the uh, damn work. Yeah. yeah. Dirty bird. Yeah. We barely mentioned dirty bird and I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to yeah. end the episode without kind of skimming yeah. the surface with dirty bird. Cause this is down yeah. in Provo, right? Provo, but going to scale. Okay. Okay. Going Cause I know scale. a lot of our listeners, you yeah. know, are more in the Salt Lake area. Totally. So they might not have even experienced this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the chicken sandwich war started. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. It has. <laughs> like, like you'd think Popeye's and Chick-fil-A and those in the QSR side. And I'll tell you this much right now, like Utah's blessed with great hot chicken. Dude, I didn't know that people like chicken this much. Like people love chicken <laughs> out here. Love chicken. I've I, never seen anything like it. It's good. My, it is good. It is my favorite. Like <laughs> fried chicken is like my thing. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. Like it's the, tasty. The chicken and waffles on the on the Sunday's best menu. Yeah. Nuts. Like absolutely bonkers, buffalo whipped butter, chicken thigh. I mean, it's like, it's crazy sticky. It's just wonderful. It's crazy. But yeah, dirty bird fried chicken, 
Uh, first one's in Provo. We're about to open in Ogden, uh, okay. right next to Slackwater. Like, you know where the Ogden Archway yeah. is on Washington? We're about to open right there, right on the Ogden River, um, the end of August. And so then, really soon. Really yeah, soon. really soon. And then we have Farmington, Riverton, and like many others following, um, which is also wild because we opened Dirty Bird in the end of January of 2020. And remember, the shutdown and the pandemic launched in March. And so see the success of that business in the past, you know, not, not quite two years, right? The past year and a half to see it go from like tiny. And our first one's only 263 square feet. So real tiny. Yeah. Real like tiny. tiny and oh crap, people Sa- aren't coming right sending, now. <laughs> send, like serving a few hundred sandwiches a day Yeah. to now it's going to scale is I think another one of these kind of blessings or just these earned blessings that came from just showing up every day. And so dirty bird fried chicken is bonkers. We have three different sandwiches, um, like our, tw- our brined and twice fried, you know, French fries, uh, that are off the charts as well as, um, our banana pudding, which is nutty hot chicken and banana pudding. Like there's not a very better marriage in my opinion. That's like, that's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like beer and bowling. <laughs> like wow. those things go together. And then, um, and then our Mac and cheese, and then, you know, soon to have uh, baked beans and fried pickles and a couple oh. other things coming. Then we have our tendies. Oh, our chicken tenders are nuts. Hot honey, dip them in hot honey or the house ranch, just craziness. And so simple, like 10 items on the menu, you know, 260 but they sound square solid. feet and dirty birds just, it's hot. Like yeah. it's hot, hot chicken and the brand's cool. It's scrappy and outside the lines and people are loving it. And we're loving that people love it. And we're going to just... We're pushing hard to bring, uh, bring Dirty Bird to your neighborhood. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So Ogden and Farmington and any yeah, other restaurants that you have up your sleeve like that, <laughs> that you care to share? I'm, you sure you guys, I'm sure you got some stuff up your sleeve. Well, that's what's cool about People the People like us group, always right? have yeah. more ideas. Because like there's kind of two sides of my world. I think yeah. at this level, you play on two sides. You're either, you either create and sale or you buy and scale. And we're on the create and sale side. I don't aspire... Chris, to have 1,200 team members again. I don't aspire to manage a large business at scale. Okay. I plan to build kick-ass brands, like kick and, and create crazy cool experiences and just kick-ass environments and great rewarding food um, and, and really build upon the great essence of our communities and tap into the sociology and what makes our neighborhoods tick. I love all of that through food. It's amazing and beverage. So I plan to continue to tap into that. And when we hit something, like a dirty bird that is going to go to mass scale. Someone else is going to take it from five locations to, you know, hundred or thousand, whatever that you. number is, yeah. not us. And so point is, is my plan is to continue to bring cool shit to the neighborhood. And ultimately someone else is going to take it to many. I got we'll just, we'll keep bringing cool stuff. So you say yes. Or like, Hey, what's next? Well, dirty or well, Sunday's best just hit the market four weeks ago. And it's like the hottest thing in the city, I believe. And what I think is it's our best work. And I think that our best work is still yet to come. So there you go. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, brother. We're going to keep doing it. And we love this city. Yeah. Well, let's, let's (laughs) shift over. We got some like Salt Lake City related questions. I know we asked this when you were back on episode 322. uh, which I'm going to urge everybody listening to this, go back and listen to that one too. Cause that was a great episode with Michael, but we have family and friends that visit us, right? They come, yeah. they come to the area, they come to this Salt Lake and want, and want a tour. And they say, drive me around, show me the city. 
where do you take people to show off, man? What, what do you, what do you do? I mean, here's what's beautiful, right? We have, we have Wasatch highway. That's our Pacific coast highway. That's our PCH, <laughs> right? Like if you're it. like on the coast. So like the first thing I do, if you're not, not from Utah, or you haven't been out here. Like yeah. I just drive you on Wasatch. And what's beautiful is you take someone that's never experienced those mountains before. And it's like their tongue and eyes are stuck. To They're their just glass. like, uh, they're like, like literally uh, yeah. just like when I like fly out and I'm on PCH, like I'm not like looking at traffic or looking inland. Like my, my, uh, sister, uh, lived in like New Newbury Park, which is behind yeah. Malibu Canyon. Yeah. And like drive there is like, she's on her phone, not paying attention to it. I'm there and I'm just like staring at the ocean the whole time. So I feel like we underestimate the true value of like literally living right at the base of those Wasatch mountains, because there's no other mountain range in the, in literally in the country that is more beautiful and more rewarding. So that is like something I always do. Oh, I, love I it. just like showing off the mountain range. And then also like I shared this earlier, but that like what it does for me and does for my soul and has done for my life, like that vibration, my ability to get out there and get my feet on it. I spent two thirds of my life or more not appreciating that and living here every day. And now I'm literally on that mountain every single day. And now I just, I, I, now I realize that I just have to share that. So I feel like that Wasatch Boulevard is fully like, like undervalued. Yeah. <laughs> like undervalued. And so like, yeah, showing off our mountain range is like first and foremost at this point for me. I love it. Yeah. What about, you know, we talked about some of your eating yeah. establishments, but we all have other favorites. Is there any other one or two other favorites that you love to eat at in the city that you care to give a shout out yeah, to? Or does 100%, that kind of I mean, put you on the spot? Listen, or- <laughs> here's the reality. And I'll say it just the way it is. Like my favorite restaurant that I don't own, because hello, I'm biased. Yeah. Like why the Obviously, hell would I have a you're menu gonna make that the I don't food love? You want. Yeah. 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 I feel like I have the best cheeseburger, the best pizza, the best hot chicken, the best pad thai, right? Because they're ours. Sure. But I'll tell you that my favorite restaurant that I eat at that I don't own is Nomad East. Okay. Like I feel like Justin Solberg is such a gifted and beautiful culinarian. And it's rare that I go there that I just don't leave going like my palate, my like I, everything's so bright and wonderful and beautiful and they take such good care of me. But I know that like if I show up to Nomad East, I'm going to have a great meal. And that is hands down my favorite restaurant to eat at. Now I have like other favorites, right? Like where, where are you going for a burger? Where do you go for these things? But I would say my favorite restaurant that I don't own is Nomad. No question. And if you haven't been there, do yourself a damn favor and make a reservation or get in there (laughs) because it's, it's worth it. Would you change anything about the, about the Valley, the city, if you could, you know, first and foremost, I think what makes our great city so great is just the, the unique characteristics of the people and who really build it and make it wonderful. I think if there was one thing that I would change like in our city is just to continue to just like open up the door, open up your arms. And I feel like Utah still a little close to the chest. I feel like we still like, I feel like when you are that person or you are that platform, I think you do a beautiful job of telling Utah's story and city, the city story. A lot, I think those are more expansive, but I feel like we're still a society that's a little close to the chest. And I feel like the more and more that we push ourselves to expand, the more and more we push ourselves to be a bit more vulnerable and a bit more aware and maybe, um, just shift with a little different intent. I think that we will go from being one of the best communities, I think in the, in the country to the best. 
And so, you know, I encourage people just open your arms up a little bit bigger, open your hearts up a little bit more, smile a little bit more, engage a little bit more, share a little bit more. We all have our shit. Freak out the people in the grocery store totally. by saying hi. Like, <laughs> I do that all the time. Hell yes. Like, <laughs> even to this day, like I go through the groceries, they're like, how yeah. are you? I'm like, dude, I'm awesome. They're like, whoa, you're what? I'm like, yeah, like I'm awesome. They're like, why? You're an adult. <laughs> I'm like, you, this is your time. This is your time like, to like, complain. Like you say, like, dude, like you run for restaurants or yeah. You're creating stuff and these are tough, difficult times. And, and the reality is like at the end of the day, just man, a smile and engagement goes a long way. And dude, I know that I've pissed a lot of people off. Haven't we all? Right. I know I've hurt (laughs) a lot of people. That's not my intent, but it's just real. And, and I feel like I also bring a lot of good and I've done a lot of good and I want to continue to make life better. And I also realize that People aren't, all people aren't going to jive with me, but I feel like if we can all find our way to jive, right? Like openly, like I yeah. think that our city will just continue to be brighter and brighter. Yeah. Like do damn, your thing, beautiful. but be nice to other people who are doing their thing. Yeah. Like Not super doing hard. you doesn't mean like, you know, it, it, remember that kind of like hipster mentality? <laughs> it was like, it was like cool not to be cool. Like, oh, oh yeah. If you're doing that, yeah, you, you can, yeah. Oh yeah. That's such bullshit. Not very accepting Like there's nothing cool about not being cool. <laughs> like I just like, just be cool. Well, it was like, just be you. Yeah. If you're weird, that's fine. Own it. You know, yeah. just, just be you, man. I've watched that beauty come out in people. I've watched that beauty come out in me. Right. Like whatever that is. And, and, and no way do I have that figured out, but I most definitely know that if we can just get people to just open up their arms a little wider, smile a little bit bigger, realize that we all have our shit and we can all move on. Like, I think that you talk just would just brighten up a bit. Be badass. Dude, you're an inspiration, man. Yeah, man. You, you are an inspiration. And, and honestly, uh, I was, you know, for my own selfish reasons, I yeah. brought you back through, you know, cause oh, I'm yeah. like, I need a good conversation <laughs> with somebody. And I know that Michael McHenry will offer that. So, so you're seriously. like, I need to feel good tonight. Who yeah. can we bring in? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Cause I take up so much space, like yeah. in air and I get on with you and I, all I want to do is like share, share, share. And I forget when I, and I think this is the beauty of your podcast and the beauty of your conversation. I forget that anybody else is listening. Oh yeah. I me just, too. Like, like hanging out with the two of you. I'm just like, I literally feel like we should be smoking cigars, like just having a great drink. I'm like, shit. I just am like, yeah, it just, yeah. When no, it, it is happens. good, it is yes. good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, and I'm and glad I, you can come in person because it was really challenging to have to do it over the internet. We couldn't get, you just can't quite get that energy. It was tough to connect. Like, or you're trying to get the zoom ride and get the lighting ride. And you know, you're, you're getting the rings and you can going see yourself. And, and, so yeah. that's never good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, it is like an interesting thing. It's, it's rare that I'll get on with someone that they're not like, Hey, you're passionate or you get this going. And I think the last couple of years has helped me even just be even more of that. Right. Because I am just passion led, like I'm totally heart forward and I'm not going to be any other way. <laughs> so it's here. I, I appreciate you guys. Like, let me just chit chat. And- Dude, I, I, awesome. I, we appreciate you. I, yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. But, uh, oh anything- yeah. I don't. Cause- <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. <laughs> Anything, I appreciate you too. Anything you want to add while we're still recording? I mean, any, before yeah. we wrap this up, uh, while the mics are hot, anything yeah. you want to promote or talk about? Or, I mean, you know, honestly, like with the listeners, cause I know a big, a big part of who listens to, you know, your podcast live here in the city. And yeah. 
Like, I just, I want you to feel like my heartfelt gratitude for like the support, like the support of our businesses, the support of me, that our journeys, but even more so like, just thank you for making this like great state in the city, like what it is. It's beloved because of you, because of the people and you specifically, you know, I'm going to put out the two of you because you're willing to like go through the work to share these stories and share these journeys. And people need more of this. They need to hear more of like who lives in their neighborhood. It's really neat to see because people are doing cool stuff. Like every day you learn about it and like you flip on, you listen to some episodes, you get to know people like it's amazing. And, and so really I'm here with like a full heart and mind to say like, thank you to everyone who supports, but thank you for sharing these messages and sharing these stories that are just sort of like uncut. I didn't sit down here thinking that damn near, I was almost in tears like three times <laughs> we're talking like, not that that was my intent, but like sit down. It's like easy to talk about menus and talk about business and teams and all the shit, mm-hmm. but to sit down, just like talk about neighborhood, to talk about each other, to talk about like yeah. life. That's a big deal. So I appreciate you creating this space for that to happen. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Chrissy has a final question that she um, asks everybody. Yeah. So I'm going to let her ask you. Cool. And as thank you. As it is. Thank yeah. you again for coming and doing the podcast oh with God, us. I, what's the well? What's the best way people can get a hold of you? I mean, I guess. I mean, it, honestly, it, the literally the best way just like get on Instagram and just my handle is Michael McHenry. It's just my first and last name. Yeah. So yeah. My handle is just Michael McHenry. It's me. I'm engaging with you. If I write you back, if you DM me, if you comment, that's me. It's not my team. That's the one social platform of all of our businesses and any social platform that's out there that I'm on. I, that's me every and day. now everyone knows. <laughs> that's me. I can't get to every Wait, DM. that was you I was talking to? Yeah. Oh. Can you believe that? That was you weird know, stuff you were saying. Right? <laughs> I mean, here's I the reality. By the way, like, that just it. comes with the territory. Like I said, like, that's me. So you know, what form you're going to catch. And so like some days I might be like a little more inviting than others. And some days I might be a little more like, you know, sometimes I'll talk a little shit. If yeah. I feel like I got a little heater out there, I'm going to go for it. So hey, you're Instagram, human. Instagram is there. And also, I mean, the next best way, like come to my dining rooms yeah, because I'm in them. Or like on your Instagram when someone stole your picture, right? From your yeah. restroom. That was pretty wild, man. Dude, you know, it's back. They, they returned it? It's back. Okay. It's back as in you went story. and found it? Somebody, somebody like, stole a, fo- a picture from a picture. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but like, yeah. I, I don't have all the dots yet, but I can just tell you that I made a big damn deal of this really cool photo that we did, or this pic- picture that we did with Post Malone. <laughs> yeah. Talk about real men drink rosé and put it in the men's restroom and it poofed. And all of a sudden, of all things, it was back today. So I'm I'm yet to get confirmation if my team went and printed a new one yet or if it like Aww. something happened. But either way, it's just been fun. And honestly, someone's gonna steal it again because it's too damn cool. Yeah. And if they do, you just have they to know glue the rules it to now. the wall. I, like it's like Disneyland. You say something really cool, you touch it, there's no way it's coming off there. It's like I don't know. Maybe it's going to become a thing. Maybe yeah. someone's going to strip these posters. So who knows? But shoot, shoot with me. I'm ready yeah, for this. Go ahead, oh, all right, all right, we, okay. we could talk all night. Yeah. I know. I could sit and listen all night. This yeah. is so much fun. Before we do let you go, can you share a piece of life advice or a motto with our listeners? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for that. Uh, this has been a huge one for me. Uh, we put so much into like wanting to be perfect, wanting it always to be right. We put so much time into this perfect plan, this perfect process. And like my like biggest maxim for me personally, 
70% right, 110% sure. Just, I never hesitate. I just, just need enough to jump in and get after it. And that has literally like has, has shifted so much for me that, that just being right enough to get started has, um, created so much opportunity for me has kept me from like a, like being too obsessed with a specific outcome and just more of like getting after it. And, uh, so 70% right, 110% sure. And if you apply that method, you'll find yourself not prolonging needed change. You'll find yourself like making that decision. You'll find yourself signing on that dotted line. Like you'll find yourself like building that new relationship. It's like, you know, it's like when you bungee jump, right. And you hesitate and you fall off, you hurt yourself. But if you just jump off the platform, it's like, and you're fluid, you're golden or, you know, unfortunately, like you're making a left-hand turn and you hesitate and you get T-boned instead of just going, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's just like, just jump, just jump, just go for it. Yeah, and I so, mean, it's the only way to learn. Yeah, so I love it. Fail fast, awesome. baby, and get after it. So 70% fast, right, 100, 110% sure. And it, it um, it's a big, it's a I big love winner. That. Yeah. Love it, perfect place cool. in the show. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, likewise, and, uh, many shares. Thanks again to Michael McHenry from the McHenry Group for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Always fun to chat with that guy. All of the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode notes on our podcast website, which can be found by typing in IamSaltLake.com slash 493 for episode 493. Type that into your browser. Cool thing is you can actually listen to all the podcast episodes right there at IamSaltLake.com. Dig through that back catalog. Oh my gosh, we got almost 500 episodes, guys, of conversations with people here in Salt Lake City. You got to go dig through the back catalog because Chrissy and I, we've been chatting with some rad people here in Salt Lake City. All right, and as we wrap this episode up, don't forget to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. This only takes you a minute. If you haven't done it yet, we love to hear what you guys have to say about the show and it helps boost the ratings and do all that, that magical stuff on the other side, right? Hey, and uh, don't forget, if you're looking to buy or even sell your home here in Salt Lake City, shoot me a text, give me a call, 801-244-2908. I'd love to chat, or just better yet, head on over to chrishollifieldrealty.com. Again, that's C-H-R-I-S-H-O-L-I-F-I-E-L-D, realty.com. You guys have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. Support local, and we'll see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast.